Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Come to you, as always, from deep within the outer rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John. I'm Mark Tully, and joining me, as always, is my host. Gary K. Jones. How's it going, everybody? Going pretty good. And it, it is it just me, or does it seem like it's been a while since we've done this? Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded. Um, yeah. Because, like... The episode from two weeks ago, we pre-recorded like a week in advance. Yeah. And then that next week, we didn't record anything. And then last week was the Monday before 4th of July. And so yeah. we were we were very busy blowing things up. We were celebrating. We were. Show. We were. Yes, so, we were celebrating uh, a bunch of rebels. T- taking down an empire. Taking out an empire. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> and that. And, I and, how I. Ironic that that fits within the theme of today's episode. Um, See how I segue yeah, there? That was nice. That was really nice. Um, and actually, I'm a professional. So what did you guys end up doing for 4th of July? Uh, we went actually our uh, church, um, a lady in our church. She has a property that's kind of out in the country where we live. And so we went out there and we just had a, a cookout with hot dogs and stuff like that. Uh, and then we were able to sit out in her backyard. She's got a huge backyard that overlooks a, uh, a soybean field. And you're able to see the, not only the, the, um, the, the big fireworks from the town we live in, mm-hmm. but then all the other small, even smaller towns. And then as my wife said, the rednecks shooting <laughs> off fireworks, you're able to see like the whole field, just kind of all these different fireworks all over, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, they're way off in the distance, but you can still see like about three or four different towns fireworks at the same time. That's which really kind of cool. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. We uh, uh, I was over at my parents house. Uh, they live in a cul-de-sac. And so like every year they everybody in that end of the cul-de-sac gets together and they light off fireworks all all at the same time. And the last couple of years, we've been using one of my dad's ladders as like a tier for like the different fireworks. So I'll set fountains out and get them going. And um, this year was actually kind of cool because uh, some of the fountains, like I I would some I would start at the ones down below to kind of build up. And there's a couple of fountains that actually lit other fountains on the way up. So I'm like, ooh, chain reaction, fun. Yeah. We were actually kind of um, worried that we wouldn't be able to have the fireworks this year because where we're at in Illinois, we've been under a drought yeah. for this whole for most of the summer. But fortunately, we got uh, a bunch of rain. Well, fortunately and unfortunately, we had some pretty bad storms here a couple of weeks ago that did a, quite a bit of damage. Um, but the rain, you know, was sorely needed for the crops here. And it helped with, you know, we're able to, everyone was able to shoot off their fireworks and both legal and illegal fireworks. Yeah. We, we, what's funny is we actually, so my parents live like about a mile or so from uh, the high school bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, there's always a fireworks display there and it draws huge crowds, but because of how close they live, there's really no need for them to go because they can always catch the view yeah. from the sky. But uh, about another mile or so in the other direction, we had people who were lighting off really illegal fireworks. Like, I mean, they're practically mortars going off. Um, and they're the kind of fireworks that usually you only see at like professional displays mm-hmm. and end up drawing out both police and, uh, 
and firefighters in that direction around 10 o'clock after after we had gotten done like all of a sudden we see a slew of of emergency vehicles just you know burning up the road you know heading out that direction and um from what i understand there was someone who actually got arrested because he got drunk and belligerent when a cop asked him to stop lighting off the illegal fireworks um he tried to take a swing at the cop and ended up getting himself booked so <laughs> yay yay <laughs> Well, uh, as as you said, we're going to be talking about Rebels and and Imperials and Star Wars, as always. Today, we're going to be discussing why the Empire lost, because that's the way George Lucas wrote it. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Thank you for Uh, joining us today. (laughs) We're going to find this. No. No, no, of course. Um, we're nerds. We got to go more into deep, deep depth about this, don't we? Of course yeah, we do. I mean, we can't just, yeah. So I think we, for me, I think you have to start at when asking the question, why the empire lost? I think we you have to start at the beginning and look at how the empire was formed. You know, there was no real conquest of this empire. It just came into being. Well, no, not really. I mean, there was conquest, but if if you look at it, um, it's actually probably one of the smartest ways to build an empire. Because rather than mm-hmm. rather than um, ha- going through building up an army, you know, in in secret or what you know, and and being a pro- pronounced villain, Palpatine goes through the process of of building up military forces on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. And working these angles and and, and getting other people to really build the armies for him, but being the person who's at the at the central control of of it all. And he basically gets them to fight each other, whittles out most of the opposition. So there's virtually nothing to stop him. And then he, you know, he, you know, pulls the rug out from underneath everybody. Yeah. Flips that script. And hey, he's. He's now the emperor. Because, I mean, if you look at him in in episode one, he's just a a civil servant. Mm -hmm. You know, being named the the chancellor at the end of episode one, you know, it's he's humble about it. He's unaccepting or, uh, you know, uh, he's appreciative, but he's it's something that's, you know, it was a shock for him. Shock, quote unquote. And so he but that's exactly how he manipulated things to be. Yeah. Yeah, I would say if you're looking at like a the closest real life analogy for him coming to power, I would say how Octavian gained power in the Roman Empire, where it went from the Republic to the Empire. And you have this kind of power struggle where he slowly starts gaining all of this executive, more and more executive power until he becomes, you know, he's proclaimed Augustus and you can kind of see Palpatine do the same thing. You know, he's slowly, you know, you know, through these special powers acts and all these things, he starts gaining more and more executive power and more and more personal power into into him until, you know, basically him being, him declaring himself emperor was just a formality. Yeah. Because at the end he was, you know, essentially emperor and and all but name only. You know, he had yeah. so much power. It was just a matter of like, well, I might as well just make this 
you know, obviously that was the point all along. But I think what was interesting is what happens after the Empire is formed. When you start seeing the Empire go from a... The Imperial policy seemed to go from a more offensive-minded military to definitely a more defensive-minded. Or it's all about maintaining and policing what you had instead of going out and fighting. And I think that was one of the first downfalls is they up for the longest time, they, they kept a more defensive posture when it came to any type of thing and just, or not want to say defensive, but more police, police force aspect. Yeah. They well, and see, that's the thing is like, Anytime you have a, a civilization where the individual rights, which were already fairly prominent, start becoming um, repressed and start being uh, pushed aside and, mm -hmm. and they are eliminated, that's when you start seeing, you know, the society, you know, kind of implode upon itself because while it might be easier to impose more and more rules and more and more laws and more and more force on on a uh, repressed people group it's ultimately going to be your undoing because you're going to start having people um having people uh fight back and that's what happens you start having these little pockets of rebellion and at first they you know the people were asking or were acting like Man, we're never going to win. There's no way because the empire is too big. They have too yeah. much military power. And yeah, but when you start looking at the way the rebels were going about doing it, they were knocking it, it like the best way I could I can I can describe the downfall of the empire. You brought up a, a, a historical example. I'm bringing up a fictional one. Um, and I'm kind of jumping, uh, I'm jumping genres and, and tra uh, franchises here, but look at Avatar The Last Airbender, specifically the episode The Drill from season two. There's this, um, this the Fire Nation's using this massive drill to bore through the walls of a city called Bossing Se, which for more than 100 years has stood without anybody breaching its walls during wartime. And the Fire Nation has spent the last century at least trying to break down these walls mm. and unsuccessfully the drill is there is this huge mechanized thing we're talking like at least two football fields long and as wide as maybe a, a quarter of a football field um massive drill and the way it's taken down is not from outside but from inside uh the avatar and his and his team they go in and they and they bust, they, they cut through parts of the support struts inside. They, and, uh, and then they uh, find a place where they can cause the most damage. But then from the inside, they also back up the, um, the, the sludge uh, removal system. Because what's happening is as the drill is going through, it's using water, a, a water filtration system to pull out all those chunks of debris, turn it into mud and flush it out the backside. Well, what happens when that mm. slurry gets backed up, can't go anywhere. And then you have, you have all these other support struts broken down. Then it's the outside force that becomes the undoing. 
Mm. And that's yeah. how the Re- yeah. and that's how the rebels operated for such a long time. They mm-hmm. they broke down the internal structure of the empire, and they found ways to back up supply lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think that also that you know you things like bad leadership uh, paid paid a pivotal role? You know the fact that you had so many really you know you had a lot of bad leadership and a lot of bad because you you had a system where everyone was either afraid of their own job or that system of fear of you know that that could have could have played it played a, a pivot a role in instead of you know uniting and you know working together the 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 captains and the admirals were you know, fighting, fighting with themselves, fighting internally. Well, and I, I think that is a, that does pre- prevent or uh, pro- provide a problem. And, and the reason for that is because you have uh, Palpatine to avoid any kind of um, uprising from within his ranks. He mm-hmm. made a point of pitting officers against each other or yeah. pitting commanders against each other. It, it, and he did that deliberately. The problem was that became that ultimately became the 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 undoing because you you didn't got people who became uh defectors like you see with Callus in uh during Rebels. Yeah. In Crix um, Nadine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but then, but the problem is when you have all these, all these highly ambitious people working within a, a large beast like the like the Empire, and you're not treating them well, or you're or you as the the higher highest echelon of leadership are literally pitting them against one another, you create this, you create this hostile work environment that's just going to implode upon itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at look at any business that did that. Uh, look at any any uh, corporation that has done that. Yeah. You see that happening in within corporations now, where they pit it, where they put uh, their lower ranking people against each other. Yeah, yeah, I, and you also seem to have, especially early on in the empire, a situation where you have. The emperor come, Palpatine comes in, creates the empire, and then he just kind of seems to vanish. Like mm-hmm. he seems to leave, you know. And that's never that's never a good situation when, you know, the guy who's supposed to be the ultimate, you know, authority, just kind of like, all right, you guys take it. Yeah, uh, I'm over here doing my thing. You know, so they seem to be, you know, you know. You had leadership, but you didn't have ultimate leadership. And I think you also had a situation for a long time where I, I think even up till the end, they never really took the, the rebels seriously. They never saw them as a, a real legitimate threat. You can yeah. see that in the way they talk about them and the way they're, oh, you know, they you know consider them like vermin, like just we can just swat them away. Yeah. It was it was really it was really problematic because you had because you you had uh, Palpatine doing that and he and it's kind of funny like you look at 
<laughs> I mean, Tolkien makes a, a good point. Uh, he says this through Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings. Um, while good may not always prevail, evil will always be its own undoing. Mm. And that ultimately is what we see in uh, in the Empire, is that Palpatine grew too powerful. He consolidated, while he consolidated a, a lot, he... Uh, he ultimately became his own undoing because he underestimated the rebellion. He underestimated the ambitions of his own officers and his own people. He mm -hmm. underestimated the value of, of family loyalty that Anakin ultimately had. The thing that really turned him to the dark side was wanting to protect the people he cared about. Yeah. And when he finally has an opportunity to protect someone that he cares about from from immediate death which he couldn't stop it for his mother he couldn't stop it for his wife because he ultimately became her undoing he has a chance to fix that with luke mm -hmm. and the funny thing is is it's not a combat it's not lightsaber duels that that put palpatine in the ground it is a a dismembered uh you know uh disabled war veteran with massive breathing issues that picks him up and tosses him over a ledge. Yeah. So, you know, the, I mean, there's so many different things that created the downfall of the empire, but I think ultimately it came down to the fact that it just, it, it was Palpatine thought it was too big to fail. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is there anything that the Empire, uh, kind of switching gears here for a few minutes, um, is there anything do you think that that Empire could have done to avoid defeat? Yeah, there's a lot of things. First of all, I, the problem is, is that the Empire went in with this with this iron fist mentality. Yeah, and if they hadn't done that if they had been a lot more flexible, if it hadn't been the, the, the socialist, uh, you know, uh, regime hierarchy that we, you know, from a certain Western European country model that we've seen in the past being mm -hmm. used, uh, we, it probably would have been much easier for them. Um, you know, because at that point they would have won the hearts and the minds of the people. And while you had a lot of people yeah. who were very pro empire because they had been drinking the Kool-Aid and, and just paying attention to whatever news and narrative uh, Palpatine had been spinning in the media, wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge. Um, you, you ultimately, I mean, if, you know, there's that old adage, you, you win people more over with, with honey, honey than you do with vinegar. Liquor. Yeah. But then you have, you know, you could have the argument, well, then it wouldn't be the empire. Oh, you yeah. can still have an you can yeah. still have an empire, but the problem is instead of picking and choosing where they wanted to enforce the iron fist, it was guns blazing all the time, always. And if you look all at right. the first gosh decade of the empire's existence, what were they doing? Can they're continuing on warfare and trying to conquer other planet systems? Yeah, they didn't need to. Think about how many systems were already a part of the Republic prior mm -hmm. to it being converted to an empire. You didn't need anything more. It was already 
too big to expand into. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are you, what are your thoughts on, on that? Was there anything they could have done differently? I mean, you, you hit nail on the head there. You know, I think, you know, maybe as far as combating them, it's always, I mean, in history has shown that it's, is very, very difficult to combat a rebellion like that, where you're dealing with insurgencies and guerrilla tactics that it is, I mean, you, you look at throughout history, you know, mm -hmm. um, the French, the, the, the French resistance, the Viet Cong, uh, the American rebels and the American revolution. Um, you know, it is very, very, I think their best bet would have been early on, you know, to try and do what the Roman, I mean, again, I'm, I'm using Rome, uh, Rome as an example, because I think, you know, besides not, besides the, uh, the, the certain Western, uh, uh, European power that came about in the uh, early 20th century, Rome is another good, good parallel for the, for the empire. Yeah. When they would fight these tribal peoples, they would have trouble when they would fight their guerrilla tactics, but their biggest downfall would always be when they would try to fight them straight up. When the Roman, when they would try to fight the Romans on their own terms, I think that's what the empire needed to do early on was to force a a major battle with the rebels early on, before yeah. they were able to consolidate their power and get you know, you know, a because head to head, I don't know if the rebels would have been able to stand up to them before if they would have done that before uh yeah uh indoor i mean even at indoor yeah. you saw the only reason they lost that the empire lost was because they were able to destroy the death star and kill the emperor well that's that's not the only reason that's not the only reason cuz like I, I there's a meme that i've seen floating across social media that if you look at the if you look at what's going on in the uh in the death star towards mm -hmm. the towards the end okay of especially at the end of return of the jedi you yeah. um when luke is taking vader to the shuttle after palpatine's been killed nobody knows that palpatine has been killed nobody has any clue about that yeah but you're hearing gunfire on the death star why is that they're fighting against themselves Bingo. Why are they fighting against themselves? There's no rebels other than Luke on board the Death Star. And they're not shooting at him. Yeah. They're I... shooting at each other because at that point, the rebel fleet, uh, Lando and his, his group, his squadron, have already infiltrated the infrastructure of the Death Star. And they're going for the generator. They know... That it is just mm -hmm. minutes away before that thing, that one thing that is keeping them safe and alive on the Death Star gets blown up. And that's going to kill everybody. So what's happening right. is you have people who are part of this empire who realize that they're on the wrong side of history. They're trying to evacuate, and there's only there's only so many spaces on the on the escape pods. Yeah. And they're killing each other for that. But then you take a look at what's happening on the ground battle on Endor. The biggest, the biggest issue that the uh, the Empire has 
is the same issue that the United States has during Vietnam. They underestimate the local population. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest threats that we had in Vietnam was the fact that we underestimated our military forces, which had superior firepower, superior technology. We underestimated a bunch of people with sticks. Yeah. Who yeah, knew the exactly. terrain, who knew the landscape, who knew how to use it to their benefit. There was and a, a movie, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a line in it where a two people, are, one's, one's a soldier and the other one's just a, um, I don't know if they're both soldiers or what, but they're watching a news a newscast of Vietnam. And he makes the he makes the comment of the one guy makes the comment of, you know, how can you know how are we getting beat by a by a, a group of people that's throwing sticks and stones at helicopters? And the other guy makes the comment, how do you defeat a people that's willing to throw sticks and stones at helicopters? Yeah, exactly. Oh I yeah. think that I think that was uh Kong Skull Island, maybe. It might be it had something to do with the um I remember it had something to do with the uh the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I have no, no idea. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, anyway. I mean, that's. I mean, that was the whole point. Like, it, I mean, looking at Aliens, um, the uh, you know the Jim Jim Cameron movie. That was the whole premise. Like, it was it was a Vietnam movie in space. Yeah. And so um, when you take a look at at that, I mean, the Ewoks. I mean, despite the fact that they're cuddly and they're cute, and you just want to punt them all over the place. They were they were efficient warriors. They knew their landscape. They knew their terrain. They knew how to use it to their advantage because they had been living there for however long, in a in a mostly technologically unadvanced civilization. And I mean, they were. I mean, basically, they're Paleolithic. Yeah, and let's and, be honest, they were man eaters. I mean, <laughs> they were there. Uh, <laughs> There's a, the, yeah. The poor stormtroopers didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's and I and mean, they're just and they're just playing the playing the drums with their helmets. Yeah, like, when, oh. when I was two, I thought, oh, that's cute. They're just playing the helmets as drums. No, <laughs> there's a much much more terrifying reason behind that. And the fact that the rebels are just like, oh well, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're all just partying and drinking. Not no. More than likely, what they're drinking was probably like something like to make them knock out, and that way the Ewoks could eat them too. <laughs> How bad would that be if the biggest threat in the galaxy is a bunch of Ewoks? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is how dark we get, guys. This is how dark we get. <laughs> oh, man. That would probably make for a much better Star Wars movie than anything Kathleen Kennedy is cooking up right now. Um, wow. Well, um, <laughs> I think we continue this next week and we look at the other side. We look at the, the Rebels. Uh, we're Absolutely. coming up to our half hour uh, mark, which is about usually our mark where we wrap things up. So yeah, I think next week we look at the the rebel side and see what the rebels did to uh, help them eventually defeat the galactic empire. Um, so, well, Garrett, why don't you tell the fine people out there where well, yeah. they can find you at? Yeah. You guys can find me on a couple of different platforms. I am on Instagram and Twitter. My handle there is at GKJ underscore publishing. 
um, where I post about my books. I talk and I post about my YouTube show. Um, my channel on YouTube is GKJ Publishing, and uh, which YouTube's starting to use the at symbol now too. So just at GKJ Publishing, all one word. Um, I have a show on there called The Right Way, where we do top 10 uh, book recommendation lists. We do author interviews. Um, Creator's Corner is the uh, creative writing tips that I do once a month. Right, And in fact, uh, not this coming Saturday, but the, the following Saturday, the 22nd, I have a uh, I have a the last Creator's Corner tip for the season um, as we're coming to a close on that. And then the end of July, the 29th, I have my season five closer. So that's big. I'm, I'm doing an award. I'm giving out awards for uh, best guest host for the top 10 videos, uh, best guest interview for the regular monthly interviews, and then best guest for my uh, April uh, interview marathon that I did uh, a couple months ago. Nice. Yeah. All right. As for us right here, of course, you can get a hold of us as always through our email that is War of the Stars one at gmail.com. That is one of the best ways to get a hold of us. Or you can do so on Twitter at the same handle at War of the Stars One. All of those social media, just search for War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast, and you'll be able to find us there. We are on most of your podcast platforms, including Stitcher. Uh, of course, we are on Spotify. Um, and just search for, again, just search for War of the Stars. You can find us there. Uh, patreon.com um, check us out there for if you want to support the show or check out the link in our description for our t-shirt store uh, you can buy cool merch there uh, that will about do it as always remember this is not just my Star Wars this is not just your Star Wars this is our Star Wars until next time may the force be with you this is the way <laughs>